revision.io. So we're going to get started. Um, one, thank you all for joining us for this uh, roundtable discussion. Um, we are, just to make sure that everyone is in the right place, uh, this, is, this discussion is beyond sustainability, uh, designing regenerative systems. So if you're not in the right place and you're surprised by this, please hang out with us. I think it's going to be a fantastic discussion anyway. Um, but if you have other places to go, I think this would, would be a good time to do that. Um, so without further ado, uh, we'll kind of get started. Uh, first, I'll explain the format. So um, the structure of how we're sitting uh, kind of informs how we're going to have the discussion. Uh, I don't know how many of you are familiar with fishbowl discussions. Uh, we'll be having one of those. Um, how those work is that um, we start, we have uh, three panelists who are joining us um, this afternoon. So we'll kind of start the discussion here uh, with them. So we'll have one to two questions here where we'll just kind of um, engage and kind of dialogue. And then after those two questions, everyone in the outer circle has the opportunity to participate. So if you have a thought, an idea, a perspective that you want to share, um, you can tap any of the three of them. If you think I'm doing a terrible job as a moderator, you can also tap me. Uh, and then we can switch out. But generally, just try to tap uh, people in, in, this, in these three seats. And then you can sit down. And then from there, you can kind of participate in the discussion. Um, does, that, does that all make sense to everyone? Fantastic. Um, so with that, uh, we'll get kind of get started. So with kind of the idea and theme around uh, beyond sustainability and what does it mean to kind of design regenerative systems, um, we as people, um, our uh, participation within the systems that we've created are at this point in time kind of separated from the natural and biological systems. And so when these themes of sustainability and generating systems come up, it's, be it's a lot of that is derived from the idea that we've um, we've moved ourselves into kind of these, these separate ecosystems and, and complex adaptive systems that have impact on these different environments. And so when we were discussing sustainability, how is it that we can kind of move ourselves back into being more interconnected and having these more holistically designed, um, um, you know, whether it's um, systems in to impact us individually or kind of collectively. Um, so I'm going to pass the microphone, or I guess, do Alexander, you have a microphone? Um, I'm going to let the other three panelists um, kind of introduce themselves and kind of share a little bit about their background, and then we'll hop into a couple questions and, and start the discussion. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, it's a little, a, little, a little bit soft, though. Better like this? Uh, yeah. If I'm getting really close, yeah. like this? Why don't we do this? Okay. Okay, that's better. Yeah, way better. Um, yeah, hi. Um, I'm happy to see you all here. My name's Alex, um, Alex Uzunolu. I'm working at a brand innovation agency called Graft Brand Lab, and I'm a strategist. So a strategist means I'm developing concepts and ideas before designers go to work and with designers and with end users and with our clients to make the best solution happen that works for all of these stakeholders so that's my job so I'm basically like a translator between all these different people I'm not like someone who's giving a direction I'm just trying to fuel ideas and bring all these people together to create the best possible solution and um, I like to do this in a way that it's um, quote-unquote sustainable but just more based on good values good principles, good design principles. And so that's how I see my work and how what I aspire to. Thank you. Thank you, Max. Mm, thank you, Alex. 
Um, mein Name ist Jan, Jan Stassen. Um, I'm the CEO and co-founder of a space for societal change called Co-Creation Loft uh, in the heart of Kreuzberg. And we <coughs> aim to find ways of exploring comple complexity and, um, and addressing um, a way of personal growth, of contemporary spirituality. And I'm also a co-founder of the Museum of Values, which is a pop-up exhibition for that helps people to explore and reflect on their own values and making venues tangible instead of losing our hats in abstract definitions. Hi, everyone. Uh, great to be here. Thanks, Max. Uh, um, my name is Joanna Lemos. I'm a designer and researcher. I have been for the past decade working within sustainability and did a body of work over four and a half years of trying to define where sustainability is going uh, by working with different startups all over the world um, and coming up with, I suppose, what is my own definition of how I see st sustainability moving forward. At the moment, I'm also a professor for design at a university here in Berlin and work independently with different companies providing consultancy services on design research. So understanding the humans using the technology and trying to move towards uh, more purposeful um, digital products and services. I'm also working on a book tied to the spiritual uh, background of designers and trying to understand what, how cultivating an inner life shapes the work that you choose to do in the world. So that's a little love side project at the moment as well. Can, you, can everyone hear me through this? Yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'll try and use this. So, um, so the system we, that we participate in span across economics, environmental, sphere, social and cultural. Uh, and we have responsibilities as different actors within these systems. Um, and their subsequent impacts on the spaces and places that we occupy. So, um, as humans, uh, so as human society continues to uh, develop uh, in both like a qualitative and quantitative way, uh, how can we uh, continue to prosper um, and have a continued will? Uh, continued well-being of humans without destroying the mechanisms that ensure the reproduction of the biosphere that it supports. And so with that, uh, the first question we'll start with is how do we view and define sustainability? And I'll start with Joanna. Um, so one of my favorite books on what is sustainability historically uh, looking is by Ehrenfeld and it's called flourishing so it defines sustainability as a dynamic process towards flourishing and in a regenerative process so my question is sustaining what and who right um, so when we talk about sustainability we have to be sustaining something or someone um, in my work what I found is that we're mo moving from um, quantitative frameworks of sustainability, so the things we can measure towards the things we can feel and experience. So my personal definition at the moment and what I'm working with is more tied around um, what are the things, what are the qualities that we can experience and feel that support us to design systems, products, services that flourish and, and thrive over time. 
Wow. Stole a lot of my things. So, um, now I need to build on that, even though I hate that when people say, okay, that's great, take that on my side and now. Um, but, um, I think to, when we speak about sustainable systems or, um, what that really means, <clears throat> at least for us in our work, I'm not a scientist, I'm far away from that, I'm just doing it, I'm a doer. Um, but is, that we need to acknowledge something. And one, one thing is that we for a long time, um, follow the idea of enlightenment where the answer was in the outside world, um, uh, where we found answers in, in physics and, and, and science. And I think we are done with that. I think there's a, we're at a certain point in time where we can't find the right answers for well-being and happiness in science anymore. So that's what we need to acknowledge. The second thing we need to acknowledge is, that we are all very complex and we are very, very complex and um, that we have the urge or the idea, we also call that flourishing, but the will to grow as human beings, individual as well as as a society. And we need to acknowledge that too, that we're not done with education or growing once we're 21 or done with our studies. And <clears throat> so I'm not really from come from the product side, but as a society, I think we need to build systems where constant growth is possible. So that will be my definition. Wow, you two said two great things. Joanna said flourishing, and I like your last sentence, Jan, because um, I think um, actually sustainability is a really shitty word. It's like making you feel bad. And if you think about it, um, say, think about somebody asking you, how's your relationship with your girlfriend or boyf boyfriend? And you said, yeah, it's very sustainable. That just doesn't <laughs> sound so nice. You know, it's like you just keep on doing what you're doing. You're just sustaining something. You're sustaining the system as it is. But it's not really like a positive, forward-looking flourishing as Joanna said attitude that's behind it and I think that's the major thing that makes us so stuck I feel like we're so stuck in the debate of the 80s of what sustainability is and that debate is always about let's be less bad let's be less terrible at what we're doing and so people are just restricting themselves instead of like really like going into it and like being positive and, and trying to make things wonderful flourishing And I think that's the major mind shift I would like to see in the society to be like, no, we should stop being less bad. We should just make things really amazing from the beginning. And that's like something you can do with everything. So just think about, I don't know, making a sweater. Like, why are you putting um, polyester fibers in the sweater that wash out, that end up in our waters? And then scientists are painstakingly trying to filter these tiny tiny fibers out of our water like why are you doing this bullshit it doesn't make any sense like why don't you design the sweater to be a certain way that the fibers can are biodegradable and they don't have to be filtered out by some like high-tech machine so that's what i'm trying to work at every time i talk with people about sustainability it doesn't have to be less bad just be good from the beginning on to max 
Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that we need to think about in our own personal responsibility. And as we start contributing to systems, is like holistic design has to start from the beginning. And oftentimes when we talk about organizations and like the things that they create and put into the world and that subsequently, because it, none of these systems or things exist if we don't participate in them. So we uh, like by making choices, every choice we make has an impact. And especially when we, you know, whether it's jobs or whether we are consumers, like those choices that we make, like when we make them at scale, they have these large scale ramifications and effects. And so holistic design, a lot of times when we look later down the process, like we're trying to say, oh, like how can we, you know, change alternatives to plastic and use different things when at the beginning of the process, when we design it, plastic has never, has never been cheap if the end byproduct is that it ends up in these different places and spaces that end up polluting these different environments. And so for us, like all the things that we make should have at, from their very beginning, um, a, an ability to be repurposed, to be uh, reimagined, um, and we should be very dynamic in terms of, of, of how, we, how we can be more creative. Um, and w- without kind of this this limited narrative of what sustainability means. So I guess I need to, or I, what I want to say is you're both designers, right? I, I, somehow you work with design, though. No, yeah. Um, sometimes I have the feeling that design is the nowadays answer to science in to a hundred years ago. Everybody's designer is like an imperative that we carry around. System, de- design systems, design, everything is designed now. And sometimes it feels like the, this natural flow of how things develop is lost. So, and why I want to say that to your point, Max, is um, I, I just read a nice quote by David Snowden. He said, um, good intentions are the devil's path to hell. And why I'm saying that is there is a 90s idea, switch the light off in the kitchen while you're in the living room. That is great. It has, raises awareness. Super. But we are far, far, far away down the road. So we need to change something entirely different and live different. And so when, when it comes to design or designing system, I think we need to have the potential or the ability or create ability or space where things can emerge without intentions. Tom's shoes is a great idea, but it's destroying markets in certain situations or in certain areas. There are a lot of good intentions, but we are too smart for good intentions. We need to design in a different way or discuss these things in a different way and bring more people to the table and not come with, I have an idea and glorify the hero with the idea but bring a lot of people at the ta- to the table and discuss what impact are we creating and look at the things that are happening right now rather than defining a goal for future. And I think that is sometimes very blurry, this line of where we want to be and where we are right now. We're now entering this fourth industrial revolution, right? So everyone's familiar with the technologies that are becoming the norm Uh, Things that once seemed sci-fi are now becoming the norm. And I'm personally really, I really admire this human quality, which is like the human designer in all of us. 
which is like we build things because we can. Like we, we build them faster and bigger and more efficient. And we keep on sort of pushing boundaries because we have this amazing tool that is called the human brain. And, and we can build these things. And now I think human behavior tends to be self-destructed because we self-destructive because we don't necessarily take in consideration um the impact of our, of our actions in the long term everything is kind of short term like you said so i personally feel like we are on this brink of an opportunity um, as a species but also in terms of the technologies and the things that we're able to build today and we really have a choice to make um, as we enter this new age of of industry we really do have a choice and i For example, two weeks ago, I was at the Our Ocean Conference, which is the largest conference on ocean um, sustainability and problems, and I got to meet with over 200 different startups from all over the world tackling ocean issues, everything from the plastics to overfishing and energy and so on. And I do feel that there is like um, so much interest in like problem-solving But maybe like Alexa was saying, um, looking at the future is not just problem solving the shit that we've already been trying to fix for a long time. It's already how do you create the next thing with an embedded um, framework for sustainability that you won't have to fix down the line. But overall, I, I am um, quite positive about where we are. And I think we're on a really interesting path as a species and as the things that we're able to build today. Yeah, so we we can open up. So feel free as the discussion evolves. Like if you have a perspective that you'd like to share, um, please come come join us in the inner circle. I, I did want to kind of build on a couple of things that you guys said. I think Jan, when you're touching on kind of the the perspective that that people have an idea and there's there's good intentions, I think that's important. But I think we've come a lot of times when we kind of have these ideas, like we have, whether it's these like different philosophies or these different systems that we design, like they're important, they're incremental steps. And so we are, we have the idea that we're designing for these utopias, but we're not giving ourselves the freedom to, to, to make iterative steps. So rather than design for perfection, design for progress. So be in, this like prototopia. So like, oh, this is the best that we've done so far. So how can we build on this to make it even better? And so when we try to design these perfect systems, because we're imperfect, we design these things that are highly flawed. Uh, and we always create these kind of, um, these marginalized groups. Um, and I, I think so as a, as a collective kind of species, how can we kind of move to the next iteration where we're, we're, we're more focused on building on each other's ideas than kind of competing? Um, I think kind of that's where we have a, like Joanna was saying, have a big opportunity um, because as we, because we have incomplete knowledge and, and as us, as we keep seeing things from different perspectives, um, there are so many new things that we can create um, together. And that's exactly it, uh, Max, why I think we need to work on ourselves because in, in that realm of working together, co-creating or whatever, there are all these fuzzy terms and beautiful concepts. There's a lot of like, humanness in that and that is pride and that is i don't know a, a certain distinction or being better competitive statuses and stuff so um i think working on yourself and helping to let go of that pride or of it needs to be i need to be the start of this initial of this blah 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 next big thing and saving the world um there's this nice quote from Rumi. um yesterday i thought 
I was yesterday I was smart. I wanted to save the world. Today I'm wise and I'm saving myself. And I mean, it's quite often used, but it's going to the point um, when systems, creating systems where you get that done is quite important that help people to work on themselves. And so as you guys, uh, I mean, you guys have a variety of different perspectives. As you look forward um, into the future, like, you know, if you're looking 20, 30 years ahead, you know, what would be the ideal state for, for you know, regenerative systems or how, how systems would be designed? And it can be specific to your field or kind of broader based, but like what, you know, what would the world look like in, in 30 years uh, in, your, in your perfect scenario? Um, I would like to see business models that take sustainability at their base. I think the lack here is also that sustainability is seen as an add-on. Like you start a business and then someone comes along and says, hey, what do you think about sustainability? Shouldn't you integrate this into your business? And then it's just kind of an afterthought. But I think it has so much potential to be really seen as something that makes money. Like, it sounds so flat and stupid, but you can be good and make money. And I think it, when people start understanding this, that it has so much potential to utterly rethink the way we do business, um, then I think it would get much broader attention and not be that angry whip that's like constantly beating up people about that they're not sustainable enough like i just want to give you an example because people can't imagine it um there's a german company that creates rugs or carpets for offices you know these awful uh, rugs that are in offices plastered all over the place and they've set up a new business model thinking more circular by saying hey we just loan these rugs to the company so company purchases rents to be more precise to the rug and then after 10 years when the rug is dirty the company gets it back and recycles it completely because they have designed the rug the fibers in this rug to be 100% recyclable so they're just basically shuffling their own materials their own resources around they're just outsourcing them to a company for 10 years and then they get it back so but that way they have completely altered their uh, resource chain. So that's the way, I mean, we can rethink business models in a sustainable way. I would like to see more of that. Um, I need to get back to um, something. Um, so what I want to see is that business is not the answer. I want to see that we are not just compete, competing in markets because that's going, business is competing in markets. Um, I would love to have an answer to the question how do we come or how do we get from deep machine learning to deep human learning? So when I think of uh, 20, 30 years from now, a couple of things come to mind. One is we're living local, but we're living global. So sustainability, how we might define it for Berlin, Europe, is not the same as we might define it for New Delhi, India, for example, right? So I think... We, we're, we're going to increasingly gain this perspective of zooming in and zooming out of, of the context that we're talking about. And one personal concern with that is I don't think humanity is all moving forward in the same, at the same pace, right? So we're not really, um, as a species, on a global scale, moving forward alongside each other. 
So some of us will need to support others and we're not doing enough of that. Um, so I hope in 20 or 30 years it will be a more holistic group dynamic on a global scale, playing more as a team globally and supporting each other where there's abundance, bringing it to where there's more scarcity. So in terms of a generative system, that's what I envision in my mind. And the second point is on the natural ecosystems and the artificial ecosystems. I would love to see an intertwined one system uh, because we can't ignore the fact that you know, that there's experiments being done on uh, augmenting our human brain, brain implants, like how the potential fusion between man and machine. And potentially in 30 years, it could we could start to see some of that come to life in our everyday life. And I would love to see uh, a system where natural systems like our own body and the environment that we live in actually are intertwined with the artificial systems in a way that they support each other. So how that looks, I'm not quite sure yet, but I think we can get there. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, to kind of give an additional thought, so like when I look 20 to 30 years in the future and I, and I where do I see opportunity? I think that opportunity first has got to start with how we identify. Because as soon as we create these like very narrow identities, it creates these other opportunities for other groups to, um, for conflict. So anytime we kind of cut things or divide things, there's more opportunities for someone to kind of take a counterpoint. So I think a lot of, you know, Jan touched on this a bit. A lot of the work that we have to do is where do we kind of identify our first principle, like identity, a lot of times is like nations or genders. Um, and I think coming back to a very like holistic view of viewing your first kind of point of identity is like someone from earth, like earthling or human. And if that's, if that's kind of like the core identity that you hold first, then it's like everyone that you see and come in contact with, you have immediately have this kind of common group. Um, and from there, like that, that kind of can help you kind of build towards conversations, um, and kind of collective growth. And, and, and my hope is that if we can kind of stop, um, you know, these, these very like partisan ideas, cause like nations don't exist outside of our minds. A lot of times these like race doesn't exist outside of our minds and a variety of these other things that, that we've, um, these like confines that we've built for ourselves, there's so much opportunity to kind of collaborate and like co-create. Um, and so my hope is that we kind of get rid of these, these, uh, the, like, narrow tribal, um, identities that, that, that don't really serve us. Um, yeah. So I actually would love if anyone, you can basically, if you just want to tap someone on the shoulder, then you can kind of switch out with them. So, um, I'd love to hear other people's visions for, uh, an ambitious future for 20, 30 years. Uh, who would like to join us in the middle? Uh, is it okay? Yeah. Okay. My name is uh, Maximilian. I'm a designer, um, and um, yeah, maybe I'm, I don't want to uh, sit very long here, but I want to come back on to uh, to a question of the beginning, which for me is very crucial. Um, Jan uh, mentioned that uh, I don't. Uh, I, I, I hope I um, understood you in a right way. Uh, you mentioned that for you, sustainability is combined with constant growth. And is, this is something I totally disagree. Um, so I, I can, uh, yeah, I can live with the idea of flourishing. But, um, if you want to, to have a constant growth, that means you cannot combine it with sustainability. It's not to be combined in a, in a sensible way. Because if you, if you grow, 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 then you have to leave your boundaries. 
and that's how, that means in the political way you have to leave your um, nation boundaries you have you leave your ethic boundaries you have to leave to your social boundaries and you have to invade other boundaries i'm not against um um, leaving the boundaries, but the problem that we have is that uh, our behavior invades in boundaries of others who are not asked. And this, uh, we already have a long history in this. And so I think it's not so complicated from, maybe I have a, a, uh, the wrong, but I think you have a different view of sustainability. Uh, at first, as a, as a family father, Uh, for me, sustainability means I, I want to leave something where the next generation, the others can build on. And when I go through uh, the streets of Berlin, for me, sustainability also means I want to allow others to participate. I hope this is, uh, I don't know, German word is a little bit different. It's Teilhabe. It, it mean, doesn't mean all the same. But I don't uh, another English term, um, but participation, and that means you have to share, and um, yeah, you have to to leave something for the others. Yeah, hi, <coughs> my name is Matthias. Um, I'm board member of Sustainable Natives. That's a cooperative for consulting. So we do basically consulting for companies, large companies, mid-sized companies, and helping them to do the transformation in their portfolios in their businesses. And on the 2030 question, so there are two aspects I want to bring in. Uh, I see growth as a growth in fulfilling social needs. So we grow from 7 to 10 billion people. We know that 2 billion still cannot fill their basic needs. So the first target for us to grow is growing in fulfilling their needs. And uh, we know that a lot of people that get their needs fulfilled right now do it in a non-sustainable way. So there's a share that we need to switch to that all the people can meet their greed, uh, fulfill their needs in a sustainable way. And at the same time, we need to reduce our environmental impact by 80%, yeah, CO2. And if you make the math, you come up to a 10 times innovation factor. So that means we need to reinvent all our portfolios by the factor of 10 if we want to fulfill the needs of the people at the same time reducing our impact. And actually, Today, a large corporate we work with go out with a new strategy and we try to push them to get this 10-time innovation in their heads and rethink all their portfolios and all their designing products. And they did some steps toward that, but it's very, very difficult. And what I've found and also question for the group is how can we bridge that brilliant ideas and concepts in designing new things and making it more beautiful and flourish? I really like the term. But at the same time, we need some areas where we can scale it up and also in a short period of time. And right now I see the corporates and the mid-sized companies that are in their one group and we cannot scale up into mainstream. We always stay in these niches. So I always ask myself, how can we make the bridge? How can we collaborate with a brilliant designing while at the same time giving it to the corporates and, and work together that they are fast enough to scale up? And that's, that's a big challenge. I haven't found an answer there. <laughs> Uh, hi, I'm Sandra. I work with social entrepreneurs and social entrepreneurial ecosystems. And I'd like to go a little bit back to um, what you mentioned before, Alex, about kind of, you know, um, more circular business models, um, because it's something well, yeah, we work with a lot. Um, I think it kind of, it's supposed to go beyond that. So there's 
two aspects to kind of a new system that might work in the long term. One is to be more circular and to be more regenerative, meaning you eliminate negative impacts. But as um, at the very beginning of the discussion, it's, that kind of talks about restriction. And then I think the other part is, and um, to me personally, it does start with an intention, the intention to have a positive impact um, that goes beyond kind of eliminating your negative impact, right? So kind of every project, um, every product you design, every project you start, every kind of move you make professionally to have a goal of actually solving a social issue. Um, I know that sounds very idealistic, um, but I really think that with that intention kind of comes a direction that then permits you to be more circular, more regenerative, and to embed yourself in the ecosystem that you are a part of. Um, and uh, yeah, I also very much agree with uh, what Matthias said before. I don't think um, sustainability is about growth um, at all. Uh, if you look at circular systems, I mean, you know, there's there's like life and then there's death and then there's life and then there's death. Um, and I think we need to permit systems and um, movements within our system to go through the, through those cycles without without suffering through kind of the negative parts of it so much. So I think I, yeah, I think it's more about creating systems that are more resilient to the cyclical nature of a lot of the different of a lot of the different ecosystems we function in. And I, and I wanted to touch on uh, one point that you made. Um, when you say that, that how do we move from this kind of the, these, uh, these larger corporates and really scaling up? All of these things, these, all of these ideas, they're just stories that we've told ourselves. So honestly, like as we sit here, the future does not exist. There, there's nothing before us and there's certain choices that we've habitized um, that we don't continue to reconsider. And so our responsibility as people who are participating in these systems and working with these different organizations is giving us new stories that we have the courage to act on. And then we can re, we can re-examine some of the choices that we've habitized. Um, so I, I, I think that's where it begins. It's like, how do we still inspire the same imagination to be like, Hey, this is, we, we should have the courage to take this step. Um, and then we can make new choices. Um, so I think that that's a lot of where the kind of transition happens because a lot of people are very comfortable because they know the choices that they have made. But to make new choices, that's a whole new frontier. That's a very different landscape to be in. And so to, to, to not only know that they're supported, but there's a community and there's a process and there's a vision of where we're going, um, I think is important. Um, I'll give it over to you. Thank you. I am David. I work as an entrepreneur promoting regenerative culture. And since we're talking about design a lot, I want to name a couple design principles, which I think have been kind of mentioned in a circular way. Uh, one is biomimicry, uh, just the, the mimicry of natural processes. And the other is permaculture design or designing a permanent culture, a, per, a culture able to sustain itself permanently. And then an economic design principle, steady state. So looking at how can we have both growth and a sustainable system in, in, the, same, in the same system, there's an economist named Herman Daly who defined a field of ecological economics that I hope is going to be mainstream in about 30 years. That's one of my 30-year visions. And in the steady state economy, he basically said that 
there is uh, biophysical limits to this planet and what it can sustain. It's, there's like uh, physical laws of entropy that we can't get around. The current way that we understand economics is that we can have infinite growth. So these are like in contrast. And what he said a uh, future economy could look like is where there are certain things that can grow that are not constrained by physical limits, like maybe human knowledge and some of the things that Jens was getting at. Um, this inner growth, uh, information, etc., things that that don't have these physical strengths, and then in the kind of economy of production and the things that do involve physical goods, the growth will be in throughput and resource efficiency and resource productivity, and how how much uh, utility can be uh, extracted from one resource and how efficiently that uh, those molecules can be recycled and even upcycled in a system that is actually regenerative in the sense that like like permaculture design you have increase in productivity at the same time you have increase in soil fertility at the same time you have increase in building the water table so it's like how do we integrate these these design principles permaculture and biomimicry to create an economy that uh, has not doesn't grow in what the kind of resource throughput is and and at the same time it's maximizing growth in the uh, the areas that are not constrained by by physical limits. Totally, like I, 100% with everything that Dave just said. Um, I'm Kay. I'm a social entrepreneur. I work in the sustainability space. So, correct. Like, there's the steady state economics. There's also the do the donut economics. If you guys talk about this, talks about what Matthias's point was. Essentially, there's two billion people that obviously need to be pushed out of basic poverty, so we need to get them up to a certain point where they can actually sustain themselves. But of course, we can't break the upper uh, upper limits of actual throughput, material throughput, which obviously talks about donor economics, which goes into steady-state economics, which is essentially what we need to go into in the next paradigm in post-growth economics. So that's like on an economic level that needs to be done. Yes, to Alex's point, we have circular economy principles, circular businesses, and all that type of stuff, which is super important. That's essentially moving from product to, to service businesses, which essentially is a much more sustainable flow. But to Santa's point, totally correct. We need to move beyond that as well because that in itself is not sustainable because business in itself is always pushing for growth, which means it isn't going to be sustainable. I just, I just want to vent a lot of frustration because I think a lot of this discussion so far, we have mixed everyone's personal biases into what sustainability is. The designer's point of view, what sustainability is. A philosopher's point of view, what sustainability is. It's all really fucking simple people. Like, how do you keep humanity alive? Period. That's just what it is. How do you sustain human life? It's not talking about life like trees and things like that. No, they will, once we're dead, they'll still keep going. Yeah, like, okay, like, they're fine without us. Earth is way better without us. When we talk about sustainability, we're just talking about how do we sustain human life? Period. That's what it is. I know it's not positive. I know it's not sexy, nor do I think it should be. I think it should be serious and I think it is what we're working on, but that's what it is. And I think the fact that we keep talking about all these other things makes most people on the planet, most normal people who don't come to these type of conferences, confused to what the fuck it is. It's super simple, guys. It's how do we sustain ourselves? How do we keep ourselves alive with and doing in the best possible way that serves everybody? And the big problem actually is we already have the answer. We're just not willing to do it. If every single person on the planet went right now went vegetarian, stopped taking flights, stopped buying how many clothes that they actually have in their wardrobes, which is obviously way excessive. If we did all, if we made all these lifestyle changes that we wanted to make, we would 100% reach our carbon goal. 
The problem is we're not willing to do that. So what we try to do, we try to design these new business, business innovations, things, da 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 da, scientists, all that type of stuff, so that we can have all that we have right now, which is greedy, and still reach our goal. The answer is simple. If we're talking about human enlightenment, is how do you do more with less on your own individual level? How do you live more sustainably with your own life choices? And it's not complicated, people. But the question is, how do you actually message this complicatedness in a simple way to people? And I think if we keep talking around in circles, everyone's own personal bias, we're never going to get there. So we need to agree. What is the definition of sustainability, which we started with the conversation with, which is very simple. How do we keep humans alive? And that's my thing. Thanks. My name is Johannes. I work in climate finance and sustainable land use and human transformation. I sort of, no, that's fine. You can. <laughs> um, thanks for shaking us up. I think it's true. It's about staying alive. But I think the second part of your subclass that you only once said is in the best way possible. That's a very fundamental subclass, right? Like just staying alive won't be difficult. Like humans are, I think, incredibly hard to go extinct, to actually completely go extinct. But to, to maintain a civilization that's worthwhile to be part of. That's a totally different question than staying alive. So I think it's a different storyline there. And I think the growth, you know, the growth question or the definitions that were thrown around are very intricately linked to what do we mean by sustainability. And, and you know, there is obviously a huge problem in the storyline that we have of limitless growth and also growth being defined as economic growth. There's lots of other ways to understand growth. And I think it's just important to open our minds of what can growth be. If we talk about human growth, nobody would think of that human getting bigger, right? It's an evolution. Like growth can be an evolution rather than just a numerical increase in something. I think, you know, that liberates a lot of the terminology around growing. Growing is not a bad thing itself. Like all of nature grows, but it grows in cycles. It dies again. There's things that evolve. There's new inventions that come around, ecosystems shift and so on. But in itself, each organism probably is primed for growth doesn't mean taking over everything doesn't mean limitless growth forever and then there are lots of things that can maybe they can't grow limitlessly even if you talk about where's the permaculture guy forget um you know there's a growth up to a certain there's probably a maximum that's going to be reached once everybody has been in permaculture for 100 years or something there's there's going to be a plateau of productivity as well but until then a lot of things can grow you know human connection can grow our capacity to love ourselves and all these things can grow f so much more and there's not really a hard stop limit to that, but you know we, we're just so used to under to to, under, to thinking of economic growth of GDP of market share and so on. When, even when we just hear the word growth, and I think it's just really important for ourselves to emancipate ourselves from that storyline, and it links to the deep. I think you're back, right? The the deep the, the deep human learning rather than just deep machine learning. Like I was at a meditation retreat for for um, repeated number of times this, this this summer, and just one of the teachers said, okay. Actually, what we're doing here, do you realize how revolutionary it is? You learn to be happier by doing nothing, by consuming nothing, not taking anything away from anybody, just noticing what's happening, just noticing yourself. And, and you know, it, enabling people to see that they can grow in happiness and human connection without consumption, without even doing anything in many cases. That's, that's revolutionary, actually. It doesn't sound like it, but it really breaks all the rules of what we're told to aspire to and, and to work for so hard. Yeah, and to touch on what Kay said, it's like it, it, it's the it's a how we start the sentence: human beings. And so, as soon as you show up, like everything you do after that is built on your kind of experience and the things that you internalize in the world. And so, we have to we have to look at what does it mean to be a human being, and what are, like what are the most important stories of like as we survive as the best way possible. We have to look at it: how do we all survive the best way possible? Not based on. I mean, John Rawls has this. Um, 
really interesting theories that, that I, that I, that I always think that helps us get incredibly moral or just have a better perspective. Most of the times as humans, when we design systems, we design them from the biases that we already have. But what John Rawls kind of introduces this idea of the veil of ignorance. Would you design the same system if you don't know where you would end up? And so it's really, really easy to become moral when you have no idea when you're going to end up in a system. And so as we start talking about aspirational goals or the things that we design, we should design it from a perspective of like, if we have no idea where we're going to end up, will we still design capitalistic systems? Will we still design the same healthcare systems? Will we still design the same system for education? And honestly, if we examine a lot of them, whether it's like, you know, they're in our countries or our neighborhoods or, or wherever they are, I, I think unequivocally the answer is no. And so we have to start being more self-critical and taking a more a, a kind of a holistic view of, of these things that that, that we're creating. Uh, get it over to you, Jan. I just had a question. Um, just out of interest, how many people? Uh, first question is: Do you know what Californian ideology means? That we all subscribe to, like, com like companies are saving the world more or less. It's like this Californian ideology called. That's an interesting concept. Second question is, how many people are not consultants or working as entrepreneurs in, in education or in politics maybe? That would be the best part. Hmm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then it boils down that we are always discussing how the future looks like as entrepreneurs this role of um, how do we fucked up the society 100 years ago or 400 years and how are we staying alive is answered by entrepreneurs and not by politics because we hate politics nowadays and then I'm done because I think my point to deep human learning is connected to the world is changing rapidly and yeah we have a few answers but um, I think the complexity is on the rise on so many levels we can um, find so many solutions for so many problems. And I think one thing to deal with complexity is boil it down. And then we see Trump, Brexit and other things, AFD and other things, and make simple or give people, other people, simple answers. Or we can help people to um, handle higher levels of complexity through meditation, through retreats, whatever your deal is. You can do yoga, you can do whatever, you can go for a run. Or you can educate yourself. Um, and I think that is one of the main reasons or one of the main thing that we need to think of is how do we deal with more complexity and how people to do that themselves and rather than giving people answers, this is the author, authority and idea that we still hold on to. You're putting me in a bad spot here, Ian, <laughs> because um, seriously, I don't think um, entrepreneurs are bad. You just put it that way that... Um, I mean, Californian ideology, of course, it's been uh, praising entrepreneurship overall, but still, I mean, people just want to be productive, like there's an, an urge in them to create, and whether you do that, it, you know, he wants to say something, yeah, okay, say it. But do we need to be productive for money? Otherwise, it's called voluntarily work. Well, if you want to have money for it, it should be your free choice. To have it, right? If you prefer having 10 gold coins instead of 10 bags of carrots, then that's fine. If you prefer that, I feel like you should give people that choice. Um, but of course, it, I think what everybody also agrees on here is that 
the amount of money that we take for granted for getting certain, for, for exchanging certain goods, that, that has to change and fix specifically where these resources come from. Like if I cut down a tree on my plot of land and then I get 10 gold coins for it, like God is never going to come to me and get these 10 gold coins for me. So that's like, I think, also an essential part of sustainability that we keep extracting these resources from nature. We get money for it, but we never pay that money to nature back. We don't pay the rivers if we poison them. It's just like credit that we're taking from future generations. And, and this is a mind shift I would like also to see in economics, that these things are implemented in our economic and political systems to be taken account of in the way we do business. So if I'm polluting the river or if I'm taking resources from a natural land, then this has to be part of the price. Uh, hi, I'm Karim. Um, I would consider myself Dude, feedback is killing me. Wait a second. Okay. Um, so uh, my name is Karim. I'm a, uh, would consider myself a scientific entrepreneur. So I'm a bio biologist by uh, trade, and uh, have a startup that deals with uh, making this food supply more sustainable. And I love the point that you made about the simplicity of sustainability and especially the urgency. And let's say, speaking as a biologist. Actually, I strongly disagree with that humanity won't go extinct like that. There is no scientific reason to believe that humanity will survive. There just isn't. So uh, that's a very quick point to make. Yes, it's dangerous. Uh, second point being, um, piling on, on the science thing, um, I kind of get the feeling that we discuss this thing as, as if it's, like, say, a creative problem-solving thing, but it's... Where there's a lot of research to be done and speaking from my experience as trying, trying to start up a company that is right in between, like, like at the frontier of between science and business, I noticed that actually we like to talk a lot about technology, but we don't want to put in the work to actually understand what's going on. And I think this is a big part of the solution that's not, doesn't get the attention it's, it deserves. All right. So, uh, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna wrap up. Uh, but just uh, a couple of like uh, kind of sum summarizing thoughts. One, just on the basis of this discussion, you can see how many different varieties of perspectives and opinions uh, we all have. And so because we've all lived very different lives, we've all seen very different things, uh, we've all had very different experiences. And so um, as we as we kind of move forward, I, I think the, the, the journey really is to like talk to each other, uh, help us understand each other's perspectives. How can we build on each other's ideas? Um, because again, we're, th there's only one kind of people that live, um, on this earth and it's human beings. And, and if we can't kind of figure it out together, then there's, there's not a lot that we can do. Um, so I hope that you all have a, um, great rest of the conference. I hope this, this, uh, dialogue was very engaging and stimulating. And my hope is that you all kind of continue, uh, talking with each other and then continue co-creating. Uh, one, I'd like us all to give the, the panelists who joined us a hand uh, and give yourselves a hand. All right. Enjoy. Thank you, Max. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Max. Thank you.